Recorded live. All right, I'm back. Uh, my little brother and his son stopped by. They went down to the public pool down the road and uh, decided they wanted to come by and see the new addition to the family, two baby chickens. And uh, check out... Uh, Sherman and Shaggy, and um, Sherman flew all the way across the the apartment and almost landed on my shoulder, like he had second thoughts, and ended up landing close to the computer and then took off when I tried to get him. Anyways... uh, Nice little visit, I guess. May send your prayers out to for my brother. And uh, back to this reading of once again uh, a man of heroic endurance, Job, Charles R. Swindell. And I think it's apropos to read something like this at this day and time in the country that we live in, the United States of America, or the corporation thereof. And the intentions and the plans that are lying afoot and before us. That's the example that Job, the story of Job is being shared in the Bible, uh, is one that many of us maybe should take heed and wise counsel from. And where I left off, is just giving his. Charles Swindle's example of the vastness of the universe. It's still a theory, but a good good theory and a a good story is mind-bending, to say the least. Um, And supporting the heliosector model which is still a theory, but the majority world believes to be true. Although it's never been hidden from anybody who bothered to look. Like myself, and many others like myself, it takes years of heartache um, and finally to submit to God that things like this start to be revealed to you. That it's a fable. Okay, back on uh, chapter 13 of the book, The Futility of Unscrewing the Inscrutable. David in Psalm 139 makes the appropriate comment, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Verse 6, if David lived today, he would write, this blows my mind. The vastness of God's inscrutability has a way of doing that that to us, and so it should. Addressing the subject of God's inscrutability, A.W. Tozer writes, 
Left to ourselves, we tend immediately to reduce God to manageable terms. We want to get him where we want it, where we can use him, or at least know where he is and when we, when we need him. We want a God we can, in some measure, control. We need the feeling of security that comes from knowing what, God's, what God is like. What he is like is, of course, the composite of all the religious pictures we have seen, all the best people have known and heard about, and all the sublime ideas we have entertained. If all this sounds strange to modern ears, it is only because we have, for a half a century, taken God for granted. The glory of God has not been revealed to this generation of men. The God of contemporary Christianity is only slightly superior to the gods of Greece and Rome. If indeed he is not actually inferior to them, and that he is weak and helpless, while they at least have power. That God can be known by the soul and tender personal experience while remaining infinitely aloof from the curious eyes of reason constitutes a paradox. Back to Job and all his misery. If nothing else, the study of Job reveals we do not fully understand God's ways. We cannot explain the inexplicable. We cannot fathom the unfathomable. So let's not try to unscrew the inscrutable. If only the men who consider themselves Job's friends had acknowledged that, it would have been so much more comforting to Job sitting in such enormous misery. Well, it's interesting, knowing who God is is the realization that you know so little of him and that he is beyond our comprehension. Beyond our ability to fully know who he is. It would have been so much more comforting to Job sitting in such enormous misery, longing for an arm around his shoulder, someone honest enough to say, we're here, but we don't understand why this is happening any more than you do. God knows, but we're here to be with you through it. God is doing something deep and mysterious, but it is so beyond us, we cannot understand it either. May I go on one step further? God doesn't have a wonderful plan for everybody's life. Not here on earth, for sure. For some lives, he planned his Lou Gehrig's disease. For some Lives, lives, lives. Like Job's, he planned a life of pain. 
For others, heartbreak and brokenness, blindness and paralysis, uh, congenital complications. For many, his plan is not to their requests for healing. But But we don't like that. Some won't accept that. In fact, they go so far as to say, if you believe that, you lack faith. On the contrary, if you believe that, you believe the Bible. The God of the Bible includes the lives of people who do not get well, who do not quickly get over their problems, who do not easily overcome accidents or illness. God's word pictures, it's heroes, warts and all. They hurt, they fall, they fail on occasion. By his grace, they succeed. Bill Dad's foolish meanderings. Since Bill Dad didn't have a clue about God's inscrutability, we should not be surprised to hear more philosophical ramblings as we return to his third round of assaults on Job. He begins by rehearsing some uh, generalities about God. What he says is true, but as usual, it brings no comfort or consolation to Job. Then Bill Dad the Shehite. What are you doing there? What are you doing? You flew across the room again, buddy. You're on top of my... You're hanging from one of my three-dimensional paintings I've done. What are you doing there, Sherman? Shermy, Shermy. Uh Uh-oh, we're in trouble. (laughs) Well, I better get used to it, because I don't think I'm going to clip their wings. Now, a lot of people say you shouldn't do that because they'll run into the windows, but uh, most of the windows have actually blinds, so you shouldn't run into them. (laughs) Good job, Sherman. Oh, here we go again. I got distracted by old Sherman flying across the room. He's practicing his his flight exercises. I got baby chickens eight feet from me chilling out, and I got somebody calling that never calls. My mom. It's good to hear that she's trying to talk and uh, for whatever it's worth. All praise and, well, actually, all praise and glory to God is worth everything. But I uh, went to the food pantry today and uh, got a bunch of food and, and gave it to my mom. She can't really go anywhere. And uh, I'm so broke, I really can't give her money. And so 
Well, I can't. I don't have any. <laughs> I live on disability. So, although my health is improving, um, I'm in no shape yet to hold on to a job. Anyways, God willing, I still have a job raising my son for another year or two, or longer, until he he goes to the public fool system, and then we'll get indoctrinated with every freaking lie, unless God intervenes somehow, and like homeschooling, which is what I'd rather do, although it would be quite a challenge, and needless to say, I won't be able to be doing this show. if you, or you want to call this show, it's a community call, this recording. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know who else is going to be willing to teach about the true and living God. I leave in your hands, God. Just help me to do what's right before you to the best of my ability, even though I will fail miserably because I'm a fallen man. Anyways, Bill Bad, Bill Dad from Bill Dad the Shoe Height, answered Dominion, and all belong to him. True. Who establishes peace in his heights? Is there any number to his troops? And upon whom does his light not rise? Who then can a man be just with God? Or how can he be clean who is born of woman? Even If even the moon has no brightness and the stars are not pure in his sight, how much less man that maggot and the son of man that worm. He's <laughs> staring at a guy that's in a dump all covered in boils. Four observations seem worth noting. First, this is billed as third and last presentation. And I would add and thank the Lord. Second, this is the shortest chapter in the entire book of Job containing only six verses. Third, it is brief, no doubt, because there is very little left to say. Furthermore, by now I would suspect that Bill Dad considered Job unteachable, so why waste his brilliant insights on the man? Fourth, having run out of arguments, Bill Dad doesn't spend any more time attempting to prove Job wrong. He simply lectures. This represents Bildad's last sh- sh- uh, shot. He speaks first of God's power and greatness, and then God's justice and man's sinfulness. In so many words, he is telling Job that God is all light and he is all darkness, and that's why he is suff- he's suffering. His two concluding analogies, maggot and worm pretty much wrap things up. At various times, my heart truly goes out to Job. This is one of those times. Has anyone ever called you a maggot or a worm? 
Well, maybe someone did in a fit of uncontrolled anger behind closed doors. Chances are good they later apologized or should have. But in this case, I think Bill Dead really meant it. By now, he is so exasperated, or, excuse me, exasperated, he has absolutely no use for Job. It seems to be his final, just get out of my life. It's the ultimate put-down. There are a lot of lessons to learn from this story. One surfaces right here. Whenever you have the opportunity to be with someone in great need, even if that, even if what they are going through is the result of their wrongdoing, and our failure, putting them down never helps. Tragically, that is what these men were so good at. And it only made things worse. So, it is any wonder that Job begins with a series of sarcastic verbal slams in return. Job's strong reaction. What a help you are to the weak. How you have saved the arm without strength. Job 26.2 The Hebrew seems to be saying, How you have saved with your arm the one without strength. The witch. How you how you say whatever. Let's try this again. How you have saved with your arm the one without strength. The way it has been translated into English doesn't make good sense. I believe Job is using sarcasm to seize Bill Dad's attention. He continues using the same style. What counsel you have given to one without wisdom? What helpful insight you have abundantly provided? To whom have you uttered words? In whose spirit was expressed through you? Job 26, verses 3 and 4. Oh, Bill Dad, you really got a corner on the truth. Eugene Peterson's paraphrase helps. Well, you've certainly been a great help to a helpless man. You came to the rescue just in the nick of time. What wonderful advice you have given to a mixed-up man. What amazing insights you've provided. Where in the world did you learn all this? How did you become so inspired? <clears throat> Job 26, 2 through 4, and the message. By the way, the Hebrew pronoun in verse 2, 3, and 4 are all singular. So they are directed only to Bildad. When we arrive at Job 27, the plural kicks back in. But for now, these words are sent like sword thrusts, jab, jab, twist, twist. What Job lacked here in tack, he made up in total honesty. Frankly, this was no time for tack. 
Bildad has been brutal. It's no, it's doubtful he would ever hear if Job had been soft and diplomatic. Job got through. Sores will do that to you. Any nurse will tell you, especially those who work at the bedside of a, a patient in great pain, that tact fades as pain progresses. There's something about the continuation of anguish that finally wears a soul down to raw red reality. Many years ago, I came across the statement, quote, pain plants the flag of reality and the fortress of a rebel heart, end quote. Even among those who have been stubborn and rebellious, when pain hits and persists, Reality comes in full measure, it's true. So it was with Job. He took off the gloves, looked into Bildad's eyes, and said, It's straight. The man needed that kind of response. There's a little prayer I suggest you repeat each morning. Lord, help me today not to add to anyone's burden. Help me to bring encouragement to others where I can enable me to comfort and when I don't know help me to admit it when I feel sorrow and sympathy for someone help me to say that help me to lift the load of the burning of the hurting not to add to their burden if others are going through an agonizing experience they need us to be of support and strength. Bill Dad never learned that principle. He never pray, prayed that prayer to bad. An intriguing change of role now occurs. Instead of Bill Dad teaching Job, Job became the teacher. It's almost as if he decides, since you don't have any answers, let me tell you about the infinite, incomprehensible God who hasn't revealed all the whys and wherefores of his activities. From verse 5 through verse 13 of chapter 26, Job takes Bildad through the paces. He communicates what we would call a fascinating cosmological explanation. Amazingly, Job starts with the departed spirits of the dead, then goes all the way to the top of the universe. In a simple, straightforward manner, Job is saying, God is in control of, of every bit of it. He knows about it. He understands it. He's in the midst of it and takes full responsibility for it all. None of it is a surprise to the living God. Witness that for yourself as you read Job's presentation. The departed spirits tremble under the waters and their inhabitants. inhabitants. Naked is Sheol before him, and Abaddon has no covering. Job 26, verses 5 and 6. This is a, a resplendent mosaic of our Lord's superiority over all. He is absolutely sovereign, 
even over the departed spirits covered by the waters in the place of Sheol and Abaddon. He goes on. He goes on. He stretches out the north, covering empty space, and hangs the earth on nothing. Job 26.7 Isn't that amazing? Here is an ancient piece of poetic literature full of wonderful truth. Job has not been contaminated by the evolutionary thinking of the scholars of the 21st century. He just believes by faith that when God put planets, earth, planet Earth together, which I don't believe is a planet, but he does, uh, he stretched out over empty space and hung it on nothing. God planned it and put it all together. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. How wonderfully simple the first verse of Genesis is. God said, let it be, and it became. God hung it on nothing. This is beautiful. <clears throat> Job is, is instructing Bildad. Whether Bildad is listening or not, who knows, but the beautiful thing is that Job has a relationship with God that Bildad never heard of. And because that relationship, of that relationship, Job can rely on God for whatever he may need. There is great comfort found when we rely on God and simple faith. We trust. We stay strong. Mainly, we pray so we can make it through the challenges life throws at us. Last year, a teacher sent me a very unusual response written by an applicant for a teaching position. The potential teacher delivered it to the school administration, hoping to describe the dilemma of being a teacher in today's culture. There's the letter. Let me see if I got this right. You want me to go into that room with all those kids and fill their every waking moment with a love for learning. Not only that, I'm supposed to install a sense of pride in their ethnicity, behaviorally modifying disruptive behavior, observe them for signs of abuse and t-shirt messages. I am to fight the war on drugs and sexually transmitted diseases, check their backpacks for guns, and raise their self-esteem. I am to teach them patriotism, patriotism, good citizenship, sportsmanship, and fair play, how and where to register to vote, how to balance a checkbook, and how to apply for a job. I am to check their heads occasionally for lice, maintain a safe environment, recognize signs of potential antisocial behavior, offer advice, write letters of recommendation for student employment and scholarships, encourage respect for the cultural diversity of others, and, oh yeah, always make sure that I give the girls and the class 50% of my attention. 
I'm required by my contract to be working on my own time summer and evenings at my own expense towards advanced certification and a master's degree after school. I am to attend committees and faculty meetings and participate in staff development training to maintain my employment status. I am to be a paragon of virtue larger than life such that my very presence will awe my students into being obedient and respectful of authority. I am to pledge allegiance to supporting family values and return to the basics and to my current administration. I am to incorporate technology into the learning and to learning and monitor all websites while providing a personal relationship with each student. I am to, to decide who might be potentially dangerous and or liable to commit crimes in school or who is possibly being abused. I can be sent to jail for nothing mentioning for not mentioning these suspicions. I am to make sure all students pass the state and federal mandated testing in our classes, whether or not they attend school on a regular basis or complete any of the work assigned. Plus, I am expected to make sure that all the students' handicaps are guaranteed a free and equal education, regardless of their mental or physical handicap. I am to communicate frequently with each student's parents by letter, phone, newsletters, and grade card. I am to do all this with just a piece of chalk, a computer, a few books, and a bulletin board. A 45-minute, more or less, planned time and a big smile. All on a starting salary that qualifies my family for food stamps in many states. Is this all? And you want me to do all of this? Expect me not to pray? Sounds like something Job would say to his alleged friends. You want me to do all these things without any encouragement from you to turn to and trust in the living God. Since you acknowledge his inscrutable workings to me, let me explain that to you, Bill Dad, consider the incredible incomprehensible incomprehensibility of his nature. Excuse me. Ponder the inscrutable power of his person controlling those who have gone beyond the jaws of death. Give serious thought to his inscrutable creation of this earth and his continuing handiwork. He stretches out the north over the empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. He wraps up the waters in his clouds and the clouds do not burst under them. He obscures the face of the full moon and spreads his cloud over it. He has inscribed a circle on the surface of the waters, any boundary of light and darkness. 
the pillars of heaven tremble and are amazed at his rebuke. He quieted the sea with his power, and by his understanding he shattered shattered Rahab, Rahab. By his breath the heavens are cleared, his hand has pierced the fleeing serpent. Job 26, 7-13. It says, if Job is saying, Bildad, our God, is in charge of all that, he has all of it under his control, then he reaches the climax with this final statement. Behold, these are the fringes of his ways. How faint a word we hear of him, but his mighty thunder who can understand? Job twenty six fourteen. Isn't that a thrilling thought? Bildad, as magnificent as all these things are, what I have mentioned represents only a fringe of his ways. Isn't that a great word? The fringes, the outer edges of his ways, only the quiet whispers of his mighty voice the hushed tones of his omnipotence. omnipotence. Uh, Bill, Dad, listen to me. Who can fully understand? And to think that this creator God um, pierces through all the millions of galaxies of the heavens and gives his attention to this tiny green pea planet called Earth, reaching down to folks like us, knowing even the hairs on their head. David was right. It is too high, and I cannot attain to it. What is man that, that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care of him? Psalms, Psalm 8.4 <clears throat> Perspective like that is needed when the sores on my body are running with pus and the fever won't go down. Job ends where Bildad should have begun. Who can understand? Indeed, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable are his ways. Now, be careful here. That does not mean he's not in touch, out of control, and he doesn't have a plan. It just means he is obligated to exp- he isn't obligated to explain himself and because he doesn't reveal everything we're left with three very honest words which are helpful coming from the lips of the otherwise proud people and what are those three words i don't know In the final analysis, Job knows he does all things well. He is in charge. I am the clay. He is the potter. I am the disciple. He is the Lord. I am the sheep. He is the shepherd. I am the servant. He is the master. That means I am to submit myself. I am to humble myself under his mighty hand. I must be willing to adjust my life to his choices for me to listen, to learn, to adapt to his leading wherever it may go, whether I'm comfortable, happy, and healthy. That is 
obedience. Job, be now. Job by now is beginning to see it, and when he reaches the end of his brief explanation, he wisely asks, "Who can understand?" Let us return to my opening statement. The study of Job is essentially a study of God. Without doubt, the mightiest thought the mind can entertain is the thought of God, and the weightiest word in any language is its word of for God. <clears throat> a right conception of God is basic not only to systematic theology, but to practical Christian living as well. It is to worship what the foundation is to be to the, the foundation is to the temple. Excuse me. It is my opinion that Christians that the Christian concept of God is so decadent as to be utterly beneath the dignity of the Most High God, and actually to constitutes for professed believers something amounted amounting to a moral calamity. Let us beware lest we in our pride accept the erroneous notion that idolatry consists only in knowing before visible objects of adoration. Isn't that interesting? I today it that the the pantry, this one I think you know it's one thing to believe in God, it's nothing to know God. And man, I must have sounded like a hypocrite. I must have sounded like I had a head up my butt. Because, uh, as I said, you know, believing and knowing are two different things, and that's the truth. But, I, but the truth is, the knowing really is what Job is saying, that we only know the fringes, just a fraction of who God is and what he is. But there are studies we should know clearly that he is uh, amazingly powerful and um, absolute, and that he is the potter, we are the clay, he can do whatever he wants. And that we have to, as followers, servants, believers, sons and daughters, accept who he is. And I think he can only give that to us as well. Because if we go by our own devices, it's always going to be resentment, anger, bitterness towards God and everybody else. So knowing God is still true, but knowing God is is still truly important. It's just you come to the conclusion that how little we do know and how amazing and how omnipotent he is, and how inscrutable he is, and that we just need to accept the fact that it's amazing that he even thinks anything about us, period. Thank you, Heavenly Father, in the name of Christ, your only begotten Son. Let us be aware, lest we in our pride accept the erroneous notion that idolatry consists only of kneeling before visible objects of adoration, and that civilized people are therefore free from it. 
the essence of idolatry is the is the entertainment of thoughts about God that are unworthy of Him. It begins in, in the mind and may be present where no other act of worship has taken place. Perverted notions about God soon brought the religion in which they appear. First step down for any church is taken when it its core it serves, uh, surrenders its high opinion of God. The ha- the heaviest obligation lying upon the Christian church today is to purify and elevate her concept of God. It in all her prayers, labors, this should have first place. We do the greatest service to the next generation of Christians by passing on to them undimmed and undiminished that noble concept of God which we received from our Hebrew and Christian fathers for generations past. This will prove of great value to them than anything anything that art or science can devise. Train yourself to think theologically. Make it your determined purpose, purpose to think God's thoughts after him. Acknowledging his lofty magnificence, teach yourself to be at ease saying the words, I don't know. Because Job thought correctly about God, he was able to endure, even while in not understanding why may his tribe increase. And that was end of chapter 13. Well, the, boy, the, the boys are really going at it. I wonder if Sherman ever go back into his cage. Uh, yeah. No, you didn't go back to the cave, and they're they're shaggy, shaggy, baggy, daggy. Is it cold in here, guys? It's nice and cool in my son's room. Oh, it's raining finally. Finally, it's been so long since we had any kind of rain. Feels cool. I know it's only. I got it set at seventy-seven degrees. But I don't want to blast it. So yeah, it was seventy-nine. You're gonna have a bunch of nineties. For us, nineties are miserable. I know the folks down south you kind of get used to it, but it's just miserable up here. So humid, and it doesn't rain. Pull it down. This year, hardly. You can count the number of days we had rain in one hand the past two months. Anyways, God bless. Take care.